I am super jubilant. I am jumping for joy because we just had, I don't know if a lot of people knew or were paying attention to this really, but we just had arguably the greatest weekend in the history of sports weekends, question mark, possibly. I mean, I'm not saying definitively, but it was one of the best. We had count them together, put them together, seven game sevens over the weekend, uh, five in, in the NHL and two in the NBA over a basically a 36-hour span, or a 48-hour span, I guess I should say, counting you know towards the end of Friday all the way into Sunday. And uh, it was just a ton of fun. We had a lot of good games in the NHL. The NBA didn't exactly... Um, their game sevens didn't exactly hold up in terms of, you know, the NHL was basically in a couple of their games ending in overtime and one goal differences and stuff like that. And in the NBA, the game sevens and in, in, in that in basketball were basically just blowouts. But still, I mean, game seven, my one of my least favorite sp- phrases in sports, um, game seven is the two best, the two best words in sports. I hate that phrase. I think it's the most overused phrase in the world, in the sports world anyways. Yes, of course, Game Seven's awesome. We all love it. We don't need to keep saying it's the best two words in sports. We understand that. It's kind of, it kind of, they're correlated, you know? Game Seven, yes, obviously is the best, the best, uh, the best thing in sports. So we're going to talk about the crazy weekend we had in both the NBA, NHL, a couple um, MLB storylines as well. And then uh, one thing that I kind of, I didn't skip over it. I, I posted the podcast right basically um, when it happened. And that's the, uh, that's the Tom Brady basically announcing he's going to Fox and kind of the implications of that, but basically what happened before it as well. It's all kind of interesting. So we're going to get into that, but for, you know, first things first, we're going to talk about some of the game sevens. We'll start with the NBA because it was kind of the, the most dull. Um, both the NBA finals teams from last season ex- exited the playoffs within hours of each other on Sunday. Thanks to a pair of shocking game seven blowouts. The Celtics forced game seven on Friday in Milwaukee and then they slammed the door on Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks Sunday afternoon in Boston. Hours later, it was an earth-shattering, it was a blowout by the Mavericks over the league's top team in Phoenix. The best team in the league throughout the entire season in Phoenix. And uh, the Mavericks basically dismantled them. It was basically over by halftime. I think they had like a 42-point lead or a 40-point lead or something like that at halftime. It was ridiculous. Um, and then after three quarters, they were up by 42 points. So... Mavericks dominated the Suns. Um, we'll start with the Celtics versus the Bucks, though. Game six fireworks between Jason Tatum, who had 46 points, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who had 44 points, were off the charts as the Celtics forced a game seven back in Boston on Sunday. Uh, the, Bucks jump, the Bucks jumped out to the early lead, uh, and after the first quarter, it was all Celtics after that. The rest of the way, as they outscored the Bucks by 30, 34 points in the final three quarters, Giannis had 25 points, 20 rebounds, um, his 25-20 rebound night, 25-20 night could not thwart a Boston runaway despite Tatum with 23 points and Jalen Brown with 19 points staying tame. Grant Williams, Game 7 Grant. Do we have a new Robert Ory popping up with the Celtics? Grant Williams of the Celtics had 27 points and was the surprise hero for those Celtics with seven threes in the game. And the Celtics are heading back to the conference finals for the fourth time in six years. First time. They've done it since uh, the bubble season back in 2020, uh, but they haven't won the East back since uh, 2010 when it was still the um, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett um, Celtics uh, back then, back in 2010. So Boston wins that series four games to three, and the Bucks, defending champs are out of it again. No defending, uh, no back-to-back champion uh, will happen again since, who was the last back-to-back champion? I think it was the Heat. 
wasn't that long ago, almost 10 years ago, though, um, when the Heat did it with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. That was, or no, excuse me, I'm sorry, the uh, the Warriors. The Warriors did it, I believe, back in, uh, I think it was 2018, 2019, probably before that, 2016, 2017, when they had that team. And then, you know, I'm just going to look this up because I don't remember. I can't remember if it was the Heat or um, the Warriors. I think it's the Warriors, but I can't remember 100% because the Warriors kind of had that weird time where they blew the 3-0 lead, or the 3-1 lead, excuse me. Um, So they were kind of back and forth. It was the Warriors. 2017-2018 was the Golden State Warriors. They won back-to-back, and then before them, it was the Miami Heat, 2012-2013, and then the Lakers did it a couple times. The Pistons did it, the uh, the bad boy Pistons, the Bulls, obviously, the Rockets, you know, yada, yada, yada. But most recently, Golden State Warriors 2017-2018, and that will still stand um, as the Milwaukee Bucks get outed by the Boston Celtics and the Celtics moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, the other game seven, Dallas Mavericks kind of touched on it a little bit. It was complete domination by the Dallas Mavericks. I watched most of this game, and... Um, it was two. It was basically looking at a mirror image of one another. Dallas could not miss, could not miss from the field. They dominated this game throughout. Played really solid defense, and the Suns could not hit a shot to save their life. It was one twenty three to ninety, the final score, and it was basically over by halftime. Um, but don't let the scoreline fool you. One twenty three to ninety it seems a little bit closer than it actually was. Uh, the Mavericks pounded the Suns fifty seven to twenty seven in the first half. So they were up by 30 at the end of the first half and the Suns were only at 27 points and uh, Luka Doncic himself at 27 first half points for the Mavericks. So he matched the, the Suns entire team in the first half in terms of points. Um, it was disgusting. The onslaught wasn't done there though. Dallas amassed a 42 point lead after three quarters. They hit 19, three pointers, including 11 from Doncic, Doncic and Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie had 30 points off the bench as well. The Sun starters combined for just 37 total points, and it's the Mavericks' first trip back to the conference final since the franchise won a championship with Dirk Nowitzki back in 2011. So 123 to 90 Mavericks over the Suns. Like I said, I watched this game, and it was basically from the start. The Mavericks looked like they were out to the hot start. Suns really did not look like themselves. They were kind of sluggish, especially on defense. They weren't matching up very well. Some of the pick and rolls. They, uh, they weren't rotating very well, and Mavericks just took advantage of it, and they didn't feel like they missed a shot for three whole quarters, and then the fourth, you kind of put them out for garbage time and, um, you know, kind of looked a lot closer than it was, the final score, that is, um, being 123-90. and 90. So, Mavericks move on to the Western Conference Finals. They will take on the Warriors, Golden State Warriors. Again, Golden State looking, they're looking like the Golden State Warriors of old, you know, the back-to-back teams that I was just talking about. Kind of looking like that again. They're probably, I would say, the betting favorites um, to win the chi- the title right now. I'll look that up really quick. NBA champion favorites. And if it's not them, if it's not the Warriors, I would probably say the Celtics are probably second on that list. Um, probably pretty handily. Um, so I think it's probably 1-2 state, uh, Golden State and the Boston Celtics. Yeah, looking at it here. It looks like it's, uh, this is according to Bavada, uh, Boston, or excuse me, Golden State Warriors plus 130, uh, Boston Celtics plus 190, and then it's Miami Heat plus 450, and Dallas Mavericks in last at plus 550. So, Warriors the favorite right now to continue on and win the title, returning to their old ways. 
Boston Celtics looking to return to their old ways of about a decade ago with uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, but now with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and I guess Marcus Smart if you want to have a, a big three. Um, but Celtics looking to return to those days. Heat or Mavericks looking to return to their 2011 days when they had Dirk Nowitzki, that team with Jason Kidd, Tyson Chandler, those guys, and then the Heat looking to... I mean, the Heat have kind of flown under the radar. They, they made the finals in the bubble back in 2020 when they took on the Lakers. Um, but, I mean, obviously, they're kind of always chasing the ghosts of the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh team back in 2012, you know, those days. Um, so they're kind of looking to return to the, that glory. And these teams are all kind of... They, except maybe the Warriors, they saw themselves... I mean, even the Warriors, they saw themselves kind of down at the bottom of the pedestal just five years ago with the Mavericks when they got Luka Doncic and then the Celtics when they got uh, Jason Tatum and then the Heat, they've kind of been consistently, you know, they, they, they kind of stuck around 500 for a while, but, um, you know, they, they never really had a lottery pick that was um, of a lot of value. They basically picked up Jimmy Butler in offseason, that sort of thing, Kyle Lowry in offseason, and then they've developed a bunch of younger talents Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, that sort of thing, and they kind of built them up, even though they weren't the big lottery picks that you'd see on the first day of the draft. Um, and then the Warriors, obviously, five years ago, they were winning titles. But even before that, Steph Curry came early from the from the draft. Clay Thompson came from the draft. Raymond Green came from the draft. So these guys are kind of all root, um, you know, rooted in their their grassroots players, I guess is what the term I'm looking for. They're grassroots players coming up through the organization, except for the heat. I would say, even though the heat, like I said, Tyler hero, Duncan Robinson, all those guys, those are all grassroots players that came up from, um, the developments, uh, the development developments of the heat basically, and, uh, came up that way, but they don't have the, they didn't have the, the uh, lottery pick that the Mavericks, the Warriors and the Celtics had all those years ago. So it's kind of an interesting look at it. If you, if, if that makes sense, um, just a bunch of grassroots teams, not a lot of big three teams, you know, that sort of thing. The, the teams coming together and building one massive team, the Avengers, the Avengers of squads, if you will, like the Brooklyn Nets and that sort of thing. Um, which is good to see. I like to see that, you know, good grassroots teams building up through the draft and getting into the conference finals. And this one, this is one of the first, you know, uh, conference finals, two finals where I can't really see, I can see any of these teams winning it. Mavericks, if Luka Doncic gets really hot, you know, and the team keeps shooting like they did in Phoenix, that team can go as far as they want. The Warriors, obviously, they have all the experience. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, they've all done this before. Celtics, Jason Tatum can get hot. Jalen Brown can get hot. They're easily one of the best, you know, if not the best offensive team in these final four teams. And then the Heat, they've been doing it all season long. They're a full true team effort. If the true, if the whole team can kind of get together and finally find a way to get past that, um, you know, the Celtics, these, uh, the, the, you know, the Celtics hump and then the Warriors hump, that sort of thing, then they can do it too. I mean, any of these teams can win this game. Heat are also a very good defensive team as well. So any of these teams can win this, can win the finals. It's just a couple things have to fall their way and then they can get there. But in my betting, my betting dollar, if I were to put money down on it, I'm going Warriors just because the experience is a huge thing, especially in the finals and the conference finals, just play out NBA playoffs in general. Um, that experience pays out to a bunch. And then um, I'll probably go Celtics to win the East um, just because I think their defense will be able to shut down the heat offense. That's not stellar. Um, they, they bleed. They, you know, they, they build a lot through their defense as well. But I, I would rather lean on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown than, um, you know, Jimmy Butler. Not 
trying to meet, you know, no offense to Jimmy Butler. He's a great player. He's been one of the best players throughout these entire playoffs. But uh, Jason Tatum, I think, just a better, more well-rounded player overall. And Jalen Brown, a good number two option for them as well. So that's the conference finals that are coming up for the NBA. Big time, big things ahead. Hopefully we get some closer games. The best game of the entire playoffs was probably that first game between the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics with when Jason Tatum hit that uh, buzzer beater. And that was the last, feels like really the last super close game that we've gotten since then. The rest of them have kind of been blowouts or, you know, seven, ten point games towards the waning seconds. So hopefully we get some closer games um, in the conference finals and then finally in the finals as well. So moving on to the NHL. Five game sevens. We had five game sevens in the NHL and they were t- decided by a total of six goals, um, you know, bringing drama to a historic NHL weekend. Um, five game sevens, like I said, less than 36 hours apart. Five series defied, decided by six total goals, including two overtime contests on Sunday. The Panthers, uh, Florida Panthers started the weekend by eliminating the Capitals back in game six before the Hurricanes and the Lightning and Oilers skated into round two. Um, that Oilers game led by the best hockey player in the world at the moment, Connor McDavid. I don't think anybody would really argue with that. He's just controls the game. He's kind of the, I mean, I'm kind of just spitballing here, but more or less the LeBron James of hockey. He doesn't, he's not going to win the MVP awards, but he is consistently the best player on the ice whenever he is on the ice. Um, And he, uh, him and the Oilers defeated the Kings two to nothing. And he helped, uh, he got a point and assist on uh, the the game to the game winning goal against the Kings in Game Seven, the Rangers defeated the Penguins four to three in overtime. And boy, let me tell you, they're playing in the Garden. And you know, Rangers are at home taking on the Penguins, playing in the Garden. And I don't think I've heard the Garden that loud than when they won, they score that game winning goal in overtime. I haven't heard the the Garden that loud in forever. The you know Knicks aren't really doing it for them, obviously. Um, and Rangers are really the best team that plays in that arena right now, even though Rangers aren't expected to go too far in these playoffs. They're not the best team in the playoffs by far or anything like that. But still, um, it was cool to see the garden kind of erupt like that when, um, when, uh, they scored that game winning goal in overtime, it was really cool to see. And, um, good job on the announcers too, that kind of just let the emotion of Madison square garden kind of overtake the broadcast itself. And it was really cool to see. Um, the Flames defeated the Stars 3-2 in overtime on Sunday as well. That one was insane. I don't remember the goalkeeper's name. I'm going to look it up really quick because he had the game of his life in a loss. I felt really bad for him. Um, the offense for the Stars just wasn't getting anything. Jake Odinger, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong, um, he had one of the craziest games I've ever seen. He stopped it felt like everything that was hit in front of him and he didn't the only thing he let pass him was three goals he had total in seven games in the seven game series that it was he had 272 saves out of 285 attempts that's a 95 percent save percentage which is absolutely absurd he was by far the best goalkeeper during the postseason so far during the postseason even though he has been eliminated um they were he was absolutely unreal, and he was, you know, the the stars were basically leaning on him way too much uh, on the defensive side, and then they couldn't get anything going on the uh, offensive side, especially after the third period got underway and Calgary snuck one by him, got the game winning goal, and uh, Calgary moves on to take on the Oilers, which is the battle for Alberta, which is going to be cool. So we've got two um, location rivalries, if you will, 
Calgary taking on uh, Edmonton, the Battle of Alberta. And then you have Florida Panthers moving on to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the Battle for Florida, basically two opposite sides of the, the Northern Hemisphere, if that makes sense. Battle for Florida and the Battle for Alberta. Going to be fun to watch. That's the round two matchups for that one. And then you got the Colorado Avalanche. They're going to take on the St. Louis Blues. And then the uh, Carolina Hurricanes are going to take on the New York Rangers. And I can't wait to see the uh, Garden in a round two matchup on ice. I hope I'm rooting for the Rangers. I never thought I'd root for a New York team. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I don't want the New York Yankees to ever win. Sometimes it's kind of cool to root for the Mets, but it's only cool to root for the Mets when they're beating the Yankees. I don't really care for the Mets all that much. It's whatever. But man, am I a Rangers fan? Am I a Rangers fan just because Madison Square Garden is so cool to watch hockey in? I don't know. I could be. I don't know what I am. Go Avalanche too. Who knows? I, you know, if I, if I'm watching a Rangers game and I start getting like cheering for the Rangers, don't blame me just because I want to see Madison Square Garden like it was before New York fans have been down in the the down in the depths, especially Madison Square Garden fans, the Knicks fans, the Rangers fans. I think the Islanders play there too, even though the Islanders or the Rangers, the Rangers won a cup, what was it, 20 years ago, back in the early 2000s. So I don't know. You know, Madison Square Garden fans, I'm I'm a little I'm a little tempted to call it cursed, but I won't go there yet. It's, you know, it's still a little bit early. Like I said, Rangers won it 20 so years ago, but Knicks haven't won it since the since uh, freaking Phil Jackson was there. And, you know, that was the last time that the basketball fan, the Nick basketball fans had anything to really cheer about. So other than, you know, Patrick Ewing in the 90s, but they never won anything. So whatever. Go Rangers. I'm rooting for the Rangers, but only until they play like the Avalanche, if they make it all the way to the to the Stanley Cup finals. Then I'll go I'll go I'll go region bias and I'll go Avalanche. So whatever. Um, But against the Hurricanes, I got no affinity to the Carolina Hurricanes Rangers MSG. I'll go Rangers. I hope the Rangers win that. It'll be cool. Hopefully it goes, goes seven games again. That'll be even cooler. Um, so yeah, Avalanche versus Blues, Flames versus Oilers, Panthers versus Lightning, and then Hurricanes versus Rangers. That's what's coming up in round two for the NHL. It's a fun time, man. This is a fun time of year. NHL hockey, there's nothing. If you're not a hockey fan, I'm not necessarily a hockey fan. I don't watch a lot of regular season hockey or anything like that. Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs. They are a ton of fun. Every goal, it's kind of like playoff baseball. It's a little more, I would say, rowdy than playoff baseball, but it feels like every single pitch counts, and it feels like in hockey, in um, the, the Stanley Cup play- playoffs, every possession counts. No matter who has the puck, and whenever it is, it feels like every time you get this possession, you need to either score here or do something super important, get a power play or something like that to get the advantage, and it's important. It's cool. It's fun to watch, and you know the arenas are always going crazy. If you're not a hockey fan and you're looking to watch some hockey just for a peak of interest, then I would say watch playoff hockey. There's nothing really like it in sports today, to be honest with you. So we're going to move on. That's what's coming up for uh, for uh, NHL playoffs. Moving on here. Got some baseball headlines to talk about. First things first. Who The Reds, man. <laughs> the Reds. They are... Uh, if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, if you're a fan of the Big Red Machine back in the uh, back in the '80s, close those ears. You know, put some plugs in. Let's turn on the AirPods. Put the headphones in. I'm gonna I'm gonna roast the Reds here for a little bit. They're bad. I mean, they're they're really bad. They uh, they did something incredible this past weekend on Sunday. It was really cool. Not for Reds fans though. Um, they threw a no hitter. Hunter Green. Yeah, one of the rookies for the Reds, he threw a no-hitter along with the bullpen of the Reds. They threw a no-hitter 
but they lost. <laughs> they lost. They lost the no hitter. Um, they didn't allow a single hit to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who the Pirates also not very good. Um, but the Reds still lost that game one one to nothing. They lost a game without giving up a hit, and uh, that's just the sixth time in the history of the Major League Baseball of Major League Baseball that a team has lost without giving up a hit. So congratulations to the Reds. Um, you know, keep at it. That's all I can say. Reds fans, I feel for you. Um, I wish they were better. Baseball is better with the Cincinnati Reds being good. I don't know if that's true. I kind of just said that, um, but I feel for you. That's that's tough. They're nine and twenty six now. Uh, they're four and seventeen away from home. Five and nine at home. They're six and four in their last ten. But nine and twenty six. They're already thirteen and a half games back of the Brewers. Uh, in the NL Central, and the Brewers aren't exactly having you know an astounding year either. They're twenty three and thirteen. That's pretty good. They're leading the Central, obviously, but you know, NL the NL Central is not exactly packed top to bottom. They got the Pirates in third place, Cubs are in fourth place, and the Reds, the poor old Reds, nine and twenty six, way down there at the bottom with a win percentage of twenty five percent, and uh, they just lost thanks to a no hitter, a no hitter. That they lost one to nothing. It's truly, truly a very sad moment for Reds fans. If you're the Pittsburgh, if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, though, you know, <laughs> I, I feel so bad for the people that bought tickets to this game. That's why I really feel bad for. To be honest with you, I don't care about, you know, about the. To be honest with you, I don't really care about the rest of this. But it was, ugh, it was awful. I mean, I, the people that paid to go watch this game, I feel really bad for because you paid tickets to go see this, and there were. Basically, no run. I mean, there was one run, no hits for the Pirates, and a a very poor performance from the Reds overall. So I tip my cap to all the people that went. If you're a Pirates fan, I mean, it was on the road out for the for the the Pirates are at home. So if you're a Pirates fan, you're happy with the win, obviously. But man, oh man, I mean, to be fair, if you're a Pirates fan and you're going to Reds games too. Pirates versus Reds. I can't imagine that tickets are too expensive. PNC Ballpark. If there's ever a time to go to PNC Park, in my opinion, the best ballpark in baseball. That view is incredible. The stretch of where they're basically at, right on the river, is incredible. There's not a better place to go watch a game of baseball. This would be the time to go watch it. PNC Park. Tickets are probably really cheap, especially if they're playing somebody like the Reds or something. Now is the time to go watch the Pittsburgh Pirates at PNC Park. You want to make that trip to Pittsburgh to go see that beautiful ballpark. Now is the time to do it. Just go do it. They're a bad team. Reds are a bad team. Reds lost one, a no hitter, one to nothing. That was basically the storyline of the weekend for the MLB. It was uh, really sad, but, you know, I mean, the Reds are going to red, you know. Uh, moving on, another MLB headline that was really fun. Uh, Pujols, Albert Pujols, the Cardinals, they got rocked by the Giants on Sunday, but in the ninth inning of a lost cause, Albert Pujols took the mound and, uh, he gave up four runs, obviously, and I read that wrong. The Cardinals were rocking the Giants. Excuse me. Cardinals were beating the heck out of the Giants, and I think it was like 15-2 to two in the uh, in the ninth inning, and Pujols was like, you know what? I mean, I, it wasn't up to him, but the manager was like, let's throw Pujols out there just for fun. They're at home. Let's give the fans something to kind of interact with. It's the ninth inning. Why not? So they gave Pujols the ball, and he was up there just throwing absolute gas. He was clocked in. I think the, mat, the most he was clocked in at was about 65 miles an hour. It was true gas. Um, he did give up four runs, though, so his ERA skyrocketed after that. Um, he was also the the second player ever to um, 
to pitch with 600 home runs on his resume as well. So the other one being Babe Ruth, obviously. Um, that one was fun. Go watch the highlights of that. It's like nine minute ninth inning or something, and it's just Pujols basically having a good time. Gave up like two home, two home runs, four runs overall, and he just looked like he was having fun. It's good to see Pujols back in a Cardinals uniform after all those years in in uh, L.A. with the Angels. It was kind of weird. I still never got used to seeing Pujols with an Angels jersey on, especially I think it was just because he was wearing a different like shade of red. It always kind of felt like he was on the Cardinals for that reason, and then he was not on the Cardinals, obviously. That was weird. Um, but it's good to see him back with the Cardinals and he's going to retire a Cardinal, obviously when he goes to the hall of fame, first ballot hall of famer, no doubt. And, um, I'm hoping he's wearing a Cardinals Jersey when he goes in. So that was cool to watch. Go look at it. Go, go check out the clip. If you haven't seen it, it's a ton of fun. He's just kind of goofing around playing baseball and just playing the children's game, you know, pitching when he never thought he would pitch in his career. And here he is, you know, God knows how old he is at this point, because there's that whole I think I think we talked about this the whole conspiracy theory about his age, um, but you know whatever it was fun to watch. Moving on to uh, another one, final kind of sticking to the halos. That was a good transition by me. The Angels they had the first, uh, not the first no hitter, the first solo no hitter. I guess the Mets threw a combined no hitter earlier this year, but uh, the Angels had the first solo no hitter of the season a couple days ago. It was Reed Detmers. He's a rookie, a rookie throw no hitter. He's the first, or excuse me, the 12th Angels pitcher to throw no hitter in the history of their franchise, and he is the youngest to ever do it and the 25th rookie to ever achieve the feat in MLB history. It was against the Rays, too, and the Rays are, you know, no joke. That's a good team. Um, they won 12 to nothing. He only struck out two batters and he allowed one walk, but he threw into 11 ground outs and eight flyouts, and he was 22, 22 years old, youngest pitcher in Angels history to throw a no no. Um, he got Yandy Diaz to ground out to shortstop for the final out, and the celebration at Angel Stadium erupted. We finally kind of get a uh, a fun Angels team that we're watching here. They're not the best team in the AL West right now, but they are still pretty solid. I believe they're a couple games back of the Astros right now. Or no, they're tied with the Astros right now. Excuse me, Astros are twenty three and thirteen ever, as of recording this. Angels are twenty four and fourteen, so they're tied first, tied for first in the AL West, and then it's the Mariners. Rangers athletics closing out the rest of the AL West. So we finally got a pretty solid angels team that we're watching here. Knock on wood, no injuries or anything like that happened to Mike Trout or Shohei because they're a fun team to watch. LA has kind of been hurting for another team in that area. Other than the, other than the Dodgers to, you know, how much more fun would that, I think it's called the the highway series or something like that. I can't remember what they call the, the, um, the rivalry between the Dodgers and the Angels, but how much more fun would it be if we hadn't fun, a good Angels team taking on a good Dodgers team once, once a year or twice a year or whatever it is, that would be fun. And I hope that, ha- I hope that continues here. They're a good team, maybe not as deep out of the bullpen. They got Rice Iglesias closing games for them. He's a solid closer, one of the best in the game, but maybe not as deep in the bullpen as you would like to see their lineup kind of gets a little choppy towards seven, eight, nine, that sort of thing. Um, but again, Trout, Rendon is looking really good. I had another resurgent year for Rendon. Um, Otani, obviously, is going to be Otani. Uh, they've got pretty good um, uh, pretty good play out of uh, Jared Walsh as well. He's been good for them. So we'll see what happens with the Angels. I hope they continue to be good. We need another good L.A. team other than the Dodgers. Everybody's kind of sick and tired of the Dodgers, and it'll be fun to see. And we just want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. Please get them to the playoffs. We just want to see Mike Trout under the bright lights, see what he can do. And Shohei, too. Shohei as well. We want to see... I Shohei is a game one starter for the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Who wouldn't want to see that? With Mike Trout out in center field? God, that would be fun. So, uh, Reed Detmers, 
first no hitter of the season, first, you know, solo no hitter of the season. New York Mets threw one combined, like I said, a little earlier in the year. And that happened a couple days ago. And uh, finally, here today, we're going to talk about Tom Brady and his uh, lucrative, I guess is what you would call it, um, insane deal that he got. Um, so he. He's not done playing football, by the way. This is mind-numbing to me. I don't understand it. Um, here's I'll just read it to you. He got 10 years, $375 million to be the lead NFL analyst at, X, at uh, Fox Sports. Again, let me remind you, he's not done playing football. He hasn't decided to stop playing football. He retired for like, for like two and a half weeks, but he came back, and he's still with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We don't know... When this contract really goes to, I mean, I guess it's once he retires, obviously. So once he retires, once he's, you know, what is he, 45 right now? So when he retires at, let's say, 60 years old, just because when he's done, you know, and when he finished his career off at 60 years old after he threw 35 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, and he finally decides to hang it up at 60, you know, another 50, 15 years in the game. 60 year old uh, NFL analyst <laughs> for the. For Fox Sports for 10 years, $375 million. That's insane. I don't really, we don't even know if Tom Brady's good at this. We have no idea. We know he's going to be good at football. We know he's good at football. We all know that, obviously. But we have no idea if he's going to be a good broadcaster. And they just inked him. Fox Sports just inked him to the largest sports broadcast in history. And he's not, and again, he's not done playing football. And he's going to call games as the network's NFL lead analyst following his retirement. Um, Fox lost Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to ESPN this offseason. Um, they're going to be doing, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are going to be doing um, Monday Night Football. Um, but the media giant, Fox Sports, didn't waste any time. And they got Brady. So here, here we go. The recent NFL broadcast, uh, broadcast contracts as well. So $37.5 million a year for Tom Brady whenever he re- decides to retire and go do this. And then you got Troy Aikman at $18 million a year. Tony Romo at $17.5 million a year. Peyton and Eli Manning, even though they kind of do their own little thing. For twelve million, twelve to eighteen million dollars a year, Al Michaels about ten to fifteen million dollars a year for Amazon now, and then Drew Brees at NBC for six million dollars a year. Um, he's still playing with the Bucks, like I said. Um, they'll still have to find a number one game analyst. I think they said it was going to be um, Greg Olson. I think was one of the things, and Greg Olson was pretty good um, when he was calling games as the analyst. I don't remember who he was with very often, but he was pretty good. I, I remember enjoying what he had to say. Um, Akeem Talib was also a ton of fun in the booth as well. Whenever he called games, uh, besides um, Gus Johnson, that was a fun time. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, they're basically just playing a waiting game until Tom Brady retires and comes to the booth, and then it's Tom Brady. But we don't even know if he's good at this. The only reason a guy like Tom Brady is getting this kind of money now is because uh, for something he's never done is because Tony Romo at CBS blew all of our minds when he was basically predicting plays and became this really star studded broadcaster that everybody, I I'm, I'm curious to want, I'm curious to see when Tony Romo, you know, 10 years down the line, if he's still doing this, if people are going to remember Tony Romo more for being the broadcaster and less for being the football player, I am I'm interested to see the generation, the generational shift that happens. If Tony Romo is more known for being the color commentator for CBS or wherever he goes down the line, for being the color commentator instead of the football player that he was because he's so good at calling as a color commentator, calling games for CBS. He's so good at it. He's so engaged. He's a ton of fun to listen to. And 
I don't know. I'm, I, I'll be curious to see because to me, I mean, it's, it's comparing apples to oranges, obviously. Um, but to me, I enjoy listening Romo call games, uh, call games. Jeez, my voice just cracked like crazy. Um, listening to Romo call games more so than I did enjoy watching him play. If that makes sense. It's just more intriguing to me. I think, you know, he's a better voice than he is, you know, a guy with the arm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The generational shift. I'm sure that's going to come. People are going to, you know, when, if I have kids or whatever, I'm going to tell my kids, Hey, Tony Romo used to, uh, used to play football. And you know, my kids will be like, what? What are you talking about? He's been, he's been doing CBS since, you know, 20 years or whatever. Well, I'll be, I'll be interested to see if that ever happens just because of how good he is in the booth for CBS. But he is the main reason these guys like Aikman, Peyton and Eli Manning, they all realized Drew Brees as well. And now Tom Brady, even though he's not even retired yet, um, they all realized, oh, I could make more money doing this than even playing the game. Tom Brady's making more money before he even gets off the field. He's going to be making more money off of the field in the booth than he was on the field during this last stint with the Buccaneers. It's insane. Troy Aikman as well. He's definitely making more money than when he played. And then Drew Brees, is, I mean, Drew Brees is $6 million, but Peyton and Eli million, uh, Peyton and Eli Manning, they're at 12 to $18 million a year as well. And they're just playing. They're doing this for 17 Sundays a year. And e- Peyton and Eli Manning, it's even less. But for Tom Brady, you know, Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, 17 weeks out of the year, they're like, I can make $18 million a year for doing 17 weeks of work. You know, granted, I'm kind of downsizing it. Who wouldn't sign that deal? Who wouldn't do that? I would love to do that. I'll never do that because I don't think I'm that good. I'm not going to be able to predict plays like Tony Romo, but man, what a steal. I'm in the right industry, huh? I would love to be Tom Brady right now, just cashing the check before he's even done playing the game. That is an incredible job by Tom Brady and his agent. I mean, cap off to the agent. Well done by him. Um, But yeah, those are the storylines for the week. I think that's going to wrap up the broadcast today. I want to thank you all broadcast the podcast, I guess is what I should say. I want to thank you all for tuning in Um, again. Make sure to rate and subscribe. If you're on Spotify, uh, Google podcasts, that sort of thing. Uh, Apple, Apple podcasts as well. Please rate and subscribe. It helps me out a bunch. puts me on like the, the, the trending page, if you will, of both of those places. So I'd love to get over there, get more of a national audience. If that makes sense, get more people tuned in, even though I'm not doing anything all that special here. Just want to get my voice out there, that sort of thing. So I'd appreciate it if you did that. Rate and subscribe. And then um, you can also listen to this on sharemedia.com, obviously, and podcastwyoming.com as well. So make sure you do that. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. I've been your host, James Timberlake, and you have been listening to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast.